Swanson to first. Browns are world champions. The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back to back. Well, hello there. It is episode number 123, the John Rashad episode of Four Future Considerations. We'll explain that in a minute. I got some bragging to what? do. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, here, here we, we go. go. My Already. friends, Matt and Manny. Already. Guys, how's it going? I had a great week. How was your week? <laughs> oh, you sound like a horse's ass is what you sound like. <laughs> which which 19 other horses saw, right? <laughs> Not till the very end, though, and screwed Manny out of some money. <laughs> well, if you haven't heard, I mean, I've been telling everybody I had a great weekend because of the Kentucky Derby. Epicenter and Sandin, these two strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandin, reach strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike at 80 to 1 odds won the 148th edition of the Kentucky Derby and made me a rich man. How rich is that? <laughs> well, I bet a buck. <laughs> <laughs> Big spender. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and won $80, so that's pretty damn good. <laughs> All right. Hey, that's, that's fine. That's $80 more than Manny got. Ugh. Unbelievable. Manny had, Manny had already spent his money, and then uh, the last three, the last three lang- rank links, it's all different, disappeared. <laughs> well, it was funny because I was just like, eh, you know what? I'm like, should I spend just five bucks and just bet the five bottom horses just for something to do? Because I'm probably going to lose on Messier, which I did. So I just thought, eh, five dollars, why not? And man, did I luck out. <laughs> So I was at the rink and didn't see the race live, but our group chat kept me us to date. And when I saw Matt's wow, I knew that this didn't go well for Manny Pava. So well, do you- then he showed me a great angle. Matt showed me the video angle that we posted on our social media account on Twitter mm-hmm. of how Rich Strike came from the very back to win this race and screw me an epicenter out of a huge victory. <laughs> well, you know what was funny, too, is right at the exact moment, they came out of the gate and came down in front of the stands for the first time, and then my PVR crashed. So I was rebooting my TV during the entire race. And so I had to wait for it to come up. So I heard my phone going nuts. Bing, 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 bing. You guys are messaging back and forth. And I had to turn it over and not pay attention to it until I put the race on and watched it over again. And that was when I found out that I had won. So I was the only guy that watched it live. Let me tell you where I was. Uh, On Sunday evening, we were wrapping up exit interviews from our spring camp with the Leamington Flyers. So I was watching it uh, on uh, my data because the Wi-Fi stinks inside the Nature Fresh Farms Recreation Center. So I was watching it in the hallway. I had to leave an exit interview so I could watch it because I thought it would be rude to have my phone on talking to some kid. You left the room, watched it in the hallway, and what'd you do when you came back in? I get two, well, so I got a phone call first, and this is like 
10 minutes before the race and it's somebody that I've got to answer the phone. So I'm talking and you know, I'm trying to move it. It's the race. It's, 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 it's six minutes. Let's go. And then finally pop back in, sit back down. And, and my, uh, my secret of, of where I was, was very shortly, shortly revealed. Uh, did you win any money on that, Matt? No, because I, I only did um, a couple of bets. I picked a couple of horses and then did one exactor that was just more so um, something that would have covered everything of, of the uh, the higher-ranked horses, so I, I didn't get any. I, I probably spent the same amount as John did, but uh, I don't have uh, lifelong bragging rights to show. <laughs> well, I, I bet, bet on Epicenter to win and to show, so at least the show me got some money. Oh, good. You got something, yeah. But the win me did not get some money. So I'm in the hole. And I'll be trying to dig out of it because I bet big for the next month or so. That's all right. Preakness is coming up in another week and a half. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll call your good friend Curtis Calloward again uh, for joining us on the OT last week. He set us up with the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, he liked Epicenter and the OT um, before Rashad came in as the expert. But uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not even just the eighty bucks. You might get a spinoff thing on this. RacingDudes.com. They might be looking for uh, a new uh, a new analyst or something like that. Really breaking down the film. Really getting into the stables. Getting to know the trainers. All that stuff. Or or just picking the worst five horses. So. <laughs> Thanks again for Curtis for doing that. I've been talking to him uh, back and forth all the time since then, and I had asked him, "Let me share this. Uh, let me share this message because I thought the, I thought this was interesting." Uh, so I hope he doesn't mind uh, me me talking uh, outside of uh, uh, outside of school here. But I had asked him if a result like that upsets him because it's obviously not something anybody would have picked. How are you supposed to know that that horse is going to come from third last? to win the race and beat the two favorites. Um, but he's, uh, he's rooting for a, uh, a underdog feel good story. That's uh, that the sport would, would certainly need and embrace. So uh, I would only expect rich strike will be lined up for the Preakness and we'll see what happens. This is also an, an opportunity. And, and uh, my good friend, uh, Malcolm Dawson, who introduced me to gambling and I mean, sports, uh, but, hey, I, it's I mean, his fault. Horses. Yeah. <laughs> he had said like this, this horse, and the way that that horse broke at the end and the way that it it's, was gaining steam, the Belmont, which is the third one, which would be the clincher for the Triple Crown, is the yeah. longest one. And that was a pretty good-looking horse at the end of that race. So, I mean, things kind of opened up for him for sure. He found the seam. Unbelievable move by the jockey to just slide to the right and back to the rail and get past those guys. But you never know that. That was uh, a heck of a story. It'll be interesting to see where he comes in in the odds in the Preakness, because it ain't going to be 81 to, 80 to 1 anymore, John. You you <laughs> cashed out at the right <laughs> time. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I watched the end of the race, is Rich Strike was not slowing down at the finish line either. So you're right, he, he might do well in a longer race. When Manny and I watched that race again uh, in the car after we were picking up uh, a couple of good friends uh, on, on Saturday, or now newly good friends, um, <laughs> The uh, <laughs> we watched the race and I said the thing that stood out for me the most after I watched it the second time is the the race announcer and I don't know his name and he's fantastic only said Rich Strike's name yeah. once and it was literally as he was oh my god who's what horse is this coming out of nowhere yeah looked down at the lineup card and just screamed out the name Rich Strike the second best screaming announcer that I've come across this week. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And he, he, great call to win it. <laughs> yeah, that overhead was incredible. I've never seen a race open up like that before. No. It just opened up an no, entire. And I had Tabia um, as the as the favorite that I ended up choosing um, to to put money on for the win, and Tabia was in the same pocket behind or in front of Rich Strike. He moved with everybody else and was still stuck and couldn't get free. Rich Strike just opened up and made that turn and and was gone. It was a impressive run and we also want to give a big birthday shout out to rob and owen sound who is a faithful listener of the podcast yeah happy birthday rob even though he's not happy these days the owen sound attacker out of the playoffs his red wings never made the playoffs the boston red Sox are struggling but hopefully listening to this will cheer him up just a little bit speaking of baseball and that is where we're going to start tonight otani's Shohei Otani and the LA Angels are off to a good start this season. So are my Toronto Blue Jays, but your Detroit Tigers are struggling. I thought you guys said they'd be better than this. So after one month of the season, which teams have exceeded your expectations and which teams have disappointed? Rashad wins one horse race and he's all up in our grill here. Like, what the hell is going on? Well, I hope you weren't listening to Matt and Manny because uh, there's only one guy here that knows how to sports. Right, those two blowhards. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the Tigers have been immensely disappointing, and they're hitting 221 as a team. Uh, to me, it's the offense. Um, I think it will get better as the, the year warms up, uh, as the weather warms up. Uh, I always give that uh, benefit of the doubt to Detroit Aprils. Uh, now we're bleeding into May um, for sure. Uh, pitching staff, considering the rotation, without Casey Mize for a good chunk, without Matt Manning for a good chunk, it's actually been all right. The bullpen is one of the best in the American League. So, yeah, they, they need to get the offense rolling for sure. But uh, as far as teams that you know stand out for me um, or that I'm surprised with, um, just, just taking a look at the standings and, and where everybody is, I mean... Uh, I'm kind of surprised by the Angels. Not really. I, I think they're going to be okay. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to be there at the end. Um, the Mets have played really well. I'm kind of surprised by the Braves at 14 and 16 at the time that we record this um, because they they certainly have been struggling. Um, the thing that I think stands out for me more than anything in baseball so far, and it's not a big thing, but the National League West, which we've talked about uh, before with the Dodgers, with the Giants, with the, the Padres as, as being a, a division that's kind of the haves and haves nots, all five teams in that division are over 500. The Rockies are 16 and 13. The Diamondbacks are 16 and 14 against very, very tough division. So, I mean, that's uh, that stood out for me. But the standings, records, all that stuff, I've, I could not care less until till June 1st and, and see where everybody lies. That's that's always been for me for baseball. Once the weather turns warm, uh, that's that's when I'll start paying attention. And what do you think of the Yankees in first place in the AL East? A lot of people seem surprised by that, but they somehow find a way every year to, if they're not right at the top of the division, they make things a little more interesting than people expect. Yeah, the Yankees are my surprise team because I thought they'd be okay, but I didn't think they'd be 20-8 and eight at this point in the season. That, that's pretty remarkable when you think about it because when I looked at their pitching staff, I was like, 
I don't know if they can pull this off, but they've pulled it off. Um, you know, um, Jordan Montgomery and Jamison Talon have been really good, and I didn't think they'd be really good. Who the heck, uh, who are Michael King and Clay Holmes? They're pretty good relievers for the New York Yankees. Um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the NL West, Matt, because I didn't give Arizona a lot of credit to, to be very good, and, and they're above 500. Um, obviously, the Tigers are a disappointment, 100%. I would agree with that. Um, and I thought the White Sox would be a whole lot better. The White Sox are 500, 14 and 14, third in the division, behind Cleveland, behind Minnesota. So I think they're a bit disappointing too, almost as disappointing as the Tigers because everybody thought the White Sox would run away with the division, and they're not. Well, the, the White Sox, again, I put them kind of in the, in the same boat uh, with, with offense and cold cities. They are in the, at this point right now, just looking at very brief numbers, and obviously it's not going to paint a full picture. They are just above Detroit, 22nd in Major League Baseball with a 223 batting average, and they are sixth in Major League Baseball in ERA. So the pitching has been good, the hitting is not. It's not beautiful in Chicago in April. I mean, I give them the benefit of the doubt for that. And they're also 7-3 and three in their last 10, so maybe they're starting to turn a corner, too. Their arrow is pointing up, where the Tigers scored their first run since Sunday on Tuesday. So <laughs> <laughs> their arrow is not pointing up. Or I guess Monday you could... It was a triple header. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can say it is pointing up. They scored a run. That's huge <laughs> for that team. Just wait till next week. <laughs> they're only nine and a half out. Watch out! <laughs> Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I gotta be honest. I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. Oh my god. Oh, wow! And now it's time for our play of the week, and Synth the Kid wins this week's poll. Crosby trying to get into the Rangers zone, and he's on the run stop. Rebound scores! What a play! Sidney Crosby with his first of the playoffs! And the Penguins are within one. Sidney Crosby basically powered through three New York Rangers to score his 70th Stanley Cup playoff goal. And it's been chosen by you as our play of the week. And uh, guys, what did you think? That was my pick. What was your pick? That was a pretty good goal. We actually had a lot of plays and it was tough to narrow it down to four um, and try to pick other sports as well. But um, I think all plays were really good. Jonathan Quick with the saves with no catching yeah. glove. Yeah, pretty freaking amazing. I voted for the Jonathan Quick save, but was very quickly replaced. And I noticed that we didn't mention it because we want to have an entire segment on arguably one of the great sports calls of all time occurring Monday night at the Nature Fresh Farms Recreation Center. Played back around the boards. Craig Spence will chase it down. Kept in by Lemieux. Lemieux for O'Neal. Shot scores! So Come all the way back 
from being down four to one in the third period to take game three. Brendan Jones, not just the voice of the Leamington Flyers, but the voice of, of hockey in your soul. And in, in where, <laughs> where, where you, as a little child, were out on, on the ice rink your dad built for you in the backyard, playing with a wooden stick, dreaming of lifting the Stanley Cup. It's the, that voice that you hear in the, in the background is Brendan Jones calling the OT winner, Wyatt O'Neill, Leamington Flyers, Unbelievable game three of the GOJHL Western Conference Final against the Chatham Maroons. That will stand above all calls for all time. Hey, I'm not going to lie. Um, when I first played that here in the room, <laughs> my dog jumped up. <laughs> he was startled. The guy was squealing. The guy was squealing. We confirmed this afterwards through through our, our hockey TV broadcast. For a while, the only creatures that could hear Brendan were or understand him were dogs. So that's why if you were outside around 9.30 or so uh, Eastern time on Monday and everything just started howling around you, that's that's Jonesy and the call. The best part about it too, and there's, there's no video of us upstairs, but... To take it through the game, uh, obviously outstanding, uh, really exciting game. Um, Flyers are down 4-1 early in the third, win the game 5-4 in overtime, and that's the overtime call from Jonesy. So, um, you know, there's five of us up in the press box, six of us. Um, that puck goes in. We're all jumping out of our chairs. There may have been a couple of chairs thrown around at the time just to get to break free. But we're all in one big group hug, and Jonesy's in the group hug with the headset, calling the game, continuing to call the game. So a good portion of the end of that call is just the six of us jumping on top of each other. And thank goodness that Mike only picks up Jonesy's voice. <laughs> we could have got some letters. <laughs> Well, I honestly thought somebody a pig, somebody was slaughtering a pig. Like, <laughs> I seriously thought. So what happens when you actually guys win a trophy? Because that's just game three. <laughs> it's just, that's just game three. It doesn't mean anything. We get uh, game four in, in Chatham uh, tomorrow night. Monday doesn't necessarily mean much of anything if uh, if we can't get uh, get off to a good start on Wednesday. So we'll see what happens with, with that. But yeah, that was cool. He's gotten calls from a couple of radio stations as well that he wants to do like uh, pop-ins on their morning shows and stuff. I had a couple people from work not associated with the team at all, not really following the team uh, that had come across the call on social media. So so Jonesy's getting a, a little bit of uh, 15 minutes of fame. It's, it's pretty great. Well-deserved. He's, he's the best in the league there's it's not even close so i'm glad that that attention comes to him for it it was a great night your play of the week and matt's play of the week brought to you by london awnings quality that shows yes and you will see our plays of the week on uh, instagram and twitter podcast ffc we will post that Every Monday, you'll get your options of the four picks that are there. We will show you the videos so you can judge for yourself, break down the tape, analyze the video, assess the announcing if that's how you want to decide your play of the week, and you'll be able to vote on that, and we will reveal that on the Wednesday shows. And going back to the NHL playoffs for a second, your prediction of the New York Rangers going to the cup final doesn't look so good, and I also had them winning over Pittsburgh at least. Maybe not going to the cup final, but our predictions uh, don't look so good right now, do they? Rashad's just rubbing it in again. Well, no, I'm wrong too. Like, 
Well, we have them going to the cup final. You didn't have them going to the cup final. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> look at him. He's laughing at us now. Yes, that's true. It uh, looks like uh, another zero in the prediction column for Matt and Manny. Thanks for listening, everybody. What are you guys going to break out your crystal ball and predict this week? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, who do you guys have for next year's Super Bowl? Oh man, the uh, the Rangers. Even though Pittsburgh scored seven goals in back to back games, I don't think it's goaltending. No, I think it's the team in front of the goalie. It's terrible. Like the Penguins are flying through the zone, flying through the neutral zone, like. What is going on here? Can anybody play defense? Can they play a system? Is there any structure to that team? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible the way Pittsburgh is just... It looks like a team from the AHL playing an NHL team right now. It's incredible. Yeah, and let's consider... not. I mean, the goal-scoring numbers have been crazy and, and the amount of goals that have been scored. But let's consider the the Pittsburgh Penguins here as well and, and what they've been going through. They've been playing Louis Domingue in this series. They, they lost their number one goalie in the series very early. And since then, I've just put up nothing but five spots on the New York Rangers. It's, it's you know, when you look at all the other series, I don't think anybody's really surprised that Colorado had their way with Nashville. Every other series at the time that we record this is at 2-2. They're going to be broken because uh, there'll be there's games tonight. That's the only one that's insanely unexpected. And not just, you know, the Rangers are losing 2-1 in overtime. Another squeaker and the Penguins get a, a lucky bounce. They're getting throttled by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, and it's Domingue is actually their third string goalie. Yeah. Right? After Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith both got hurt. Like, other than the Calgary-Dallas series, which is low scoring, really tight, the other thing that stands out for me is all the other games are high scoring. Mm-hmm. Like, the Penguins are pouring in seven. Uh, the, the Oilers put in six. Tampa Bay's putting up seven. Like, there's a lot of scoring in the Stanley Cup playoffs when this is supposed to be the games that you're supposed to grind out for mm-hmm. wins, right? Yeah, I'm afraid to get up and go get a drink or get a snack or anything because you're going to miss a goal every time you get up from the couch. <laughs> at least I got Colorado in the final. So, at least I got one side okay. Or one team still alive, shall I say. Right. <laughs> And the NHL held its draft lottery on Tuesday night. And for the first time since 1985, the city hosting the draft will have the first overall pick. What do you think of the Montreal Canadiens winning the draft lottery? Manny? (laughs) (laughs) Well, being a Habs fan, it's fantastic. I'm glad they changed the lottery system two years ago. So now it's back-to-back years where the team with the best odds to win the draft lottery has won the draft lottery. No offense to yeah. Matt Michelle and the Red Wings fans. It's great that that's worked out. That's been perfect. Um, you know, I think this should be Shane Wright. This is probably going to be Shane Wright. Um, and I, I think he'll fit into the Montreal Canadiens system quite well. I think it'll speed up the rebuild for the Montreal Canadiens by getting Shane Wright. Um, there is some debate, though. Is he a generational talent like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby? Or even Austin Matthews, if you want to throw his name into the hat. And I don't know if 
if that's the case, I'm wondering what you guys think about that. Yeah, that's that's always been the debate. I did not see a lot of Shane Wright at all this year, yeah. or or any footage from him. Um, everywhere that I I was I was finding or coming across um, uh, critiques or uh, negative things about him, uh, I would start paying attention, and then he would score seven points in five games. And and so you know, is he a generational talent? I think it's so difficult, and that's one of the hard parts of being first overall. It's not every first overall is going to be generational talent. We don't always need generational talent uh, from a first overall pick. I think for Montreal, it's obvious. I think they're overthinking it if they don't go with Shane Wright and they're they're breaking in way too much into him or into the other guys to not go with Shane Wright. Uh, my only concern for for the, the Montreal Canadiens is, again, your three top prospects are all of the same ilk scorers not huge uh you know don't play that kind of a, a physical game you may lose your your goaltending and and we know goaltending is a lot harder to replace than than scoring but uh he's he's i think an obvious choice and uh, i think a lot of the criticism that comes from him he may be receiving unfairly because everybody just expects through his exceptional status and everything else, that this is going to be just a once-in-a-lifetime player. And we guys, we can only have like three of these guys at a time. Not every player that comes through as the first overall pick or leads their team in scoring or whatever it is is a generational talent. And I don't think he has to be. Yeah, hockey fans have been spoiled by Connor McDavid. You know, the exceptional status. Not everybody's going to be a Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. Shane Wright still put up 32 goals and 94 points in 63 games. Mm -hmm. Like, he is a really good player. Totally agree that if Montreal doesn't get him, I think they're overthinking it. And he's got great size. He's six foot 185 pounds at the age of 17. Turning 18. Like, let's give the get a break. And in some other hockey news, uh, the New York Islanders fired Barry Trotz as their head coach. We had a few questions about this one from Josh, Louie, Ed, and Michael. What do you guys think of this move, and where do you think he lands? Coaching is such a tough gig, eh? In, in any level, but look at Barry Trotz. When the Jack Adams Award in 2019 for Coach of the Year took the Islanders to conference finals, semifinals in 2020 and 2021. They lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the Stanley Cup both of those years. So they lose to the Stanley Cup champions. They had a terrible year this year, which includes a 13-game road trip, having to go through arena issues and everything that came with it, and he gets let go. I think it's a, I think it's a great opportunity for somebody to jump on uh, a very good coach who has seen a number of different ways that, that hockey plays. Uh, he's dealt with young players and some of the best young players in the league, like a Matt Barzell. He's basically built a program and, and ran a program for any number of years with, with Nashville. Uh, that's the guy that I want in Detroit. I don't think there's going to be another guy that comes on the market that checks the boxes that I mentioned in previous episodes that would check. He is a guy that uh, is an experienced coach that has coached young players. When the Red Wings have some high-end talent that's on the way, 
he is a, a guy who I think that's that's your guy. I, I don't think there's anybody else when you talk about teams trying to get cute or trying to get too cute to go after or not go after Shane Wright. I think you're getting too cute if you try not to, if the Red Wings decide to not go with Barry Trotz. He may not be interested. I mean, I just, that may, he may just end up somewhere else. He may be a goofball and end up going in Vancouver or something like that, but uh, some <laughs> other horrible organization uh, like that. But to me, it's Steve Eiserman, it's, it's Barry Trotz or it's, it's nobody for me. And you'd have to, you'd have to bring in a really impressive cat if it's not Barry Trotz at this point. I've never understood these kinds of decisions where you have a guy that obviously has all the knowledge in the world. And then all of a sudden you treat yeah. the guy like he fell down and hit his head and like lost all of his hockey knowledge and you can him two seasons after he had an incredible year for you. I, I will never understand pulling those kinds of moves um, so quickly after someone has done so much for an organization. Not only did this guy win a Stanley Cup, he took the new team, the Islanders, who just fired him, one game away from going to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Remember the Islanders' season, which was decimated by injuries, they played on the road for the first month because their building wasn't ready. And then yeah. they had to jam in a bunch of games towards the end of the season. And, of course, the team's not going to be ready. You know, I think the teams would be lining up to try to get Barry Trotz. And I, I'm glad you said it, Matt. I think it's going to come down to where he wants to go. Not necessarily, you know, which team really wants Barry Trotz because I think anybody who gets him will be really good. The Jets need a coach. The Flyers need a coach. You already mentioned the Red Wings. The interim tag is still on in Edmonton. And what's going to happen if the Leafs lose to Tampa Bay? There's got to be a coaching change there as well. Like He's going to have his pick of the lot here. He's the third winningest coach in NHL history. Uh, yeah. How do you fire this guy? Exactly. If he doesn't end up in Detroit, it, I would hope it's going to be his choice. And and I've read a little bit of it after it came through. And you kind of look at the GM uh, coaching history as well uh, to see what direction they might go. And, and for the Red Wings, uh, Steve Eiserman as a, an executive has hired two head coaches, Guy Boucher and John Cooper. Look, if you got John Cooper lying around, Stevie, then hire the guy that's John Cooper. But if not, then I think Barry Trotz is, is an obvious co- uh, an obvious choice. We also got a question from Celeste and Barry who wanted to ask about Ryan Tannehill's comments. In a quarterback room in the same room, you know, we're we're competing against each other. We're, uh, you know, watching the same tape. We're, we're doing the same drills. Uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but... Uh, you know, if he learns, learns from me along the way, then um, then that's a great thing. Celeste wants to know if Ryan Tannehill was wrong to say he won't mentor Malik Willis. Uh, thanks for the question, Celeste and Barry. Good stuff. We got listeners and Barry. It's fantastic. Listen, uh, he's been harshly criticized for his comments, and maybe it's something that you don't really say, but I don't think he's wrong. I think he's been unfairly criticized. It's his job. They pay him to be the number one quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Not to mentor someone else. Not to coach someone else. It's his job to be the number one QB. And if the kid learns something, being in the same room, being on the same field, that's fantastic. That's how it's supposed to work. Tom Brady never mentored Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Brett Favre never mentored Aaron Rodgers. They worked out okay. Yeah, I think this is all just phrasing. I mean, the way he could have worded this and avoided all this heat would have been, well, I'm not really a mentor kind of guy. Um, I'm letting the him watch me in practice and seeing my example, and I'm trying to lead by example, and uh, he'll be just fine without me having to mentor him. If he had said that, there's no controversy. But if he says, it's not my job to mentor him, suddenly it sounds a lot worse. Yeah, and that's where my problem comes in with, with Ryan Tannehill and, and the way that that's said. Look, you don't have nobody is asking you to make this guy the new quarterback for your team. No one is saying, hey, you're on the way out. Help this guy along before you leave. That may be the case, but I mean, Ryan Tannehill, unless you've created some sort of machine to go back in time. Uh, you're not getting any younger. And the team has hired and drafted their quarterback that they think is going to be their future. I would want my quarterback, the guy that I'm leading my franchise on, to want to help this kid, to want the better for the Tennessee Titans. Yes, this kid's going to replace you. I think that is inevitable. It's probably going to happen sooner than later because you're a little bit over the hill anyways, Ryan. But shouldn't you be at least interested in helping this kid with a professional football career just being in in the group just being a part of the nhl players association just being a guy who also was a young kid that got drafted that probably learned from somebody along the way and, and and this isn't, hey, Malik, this is how you hold the ball. This is how you throw it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to throw an interception here. And oh, look, now you get to come into the game. No one's asking you to teach Malik Willis or how to take your job. But it is, a, I think, a responsibility of any veteran player who is not getting any younger, who is seeing the end of his career coming through, to at least help the next generation along. To say that, to stand there in front of the media and suggest it's not your job, Ryan, you're not going to have a job soon. So maybe the one nice thing you can do is maybe show some thanks to the Tennessee Titans organization that grabbed you from Miami and let you play in the playoffs and gave you Derrick Henry to play with. And maybe you just put them in a better spot than it was when you arrived. Leave the team in a better position than it was when you first showed up. And that's helping the kid. That's not giving him your job. That's helping him along and at least saying that you're going to. That's what offensive coordinators and assistant coaches are for. So you're telling me that the quarterback of an NFL team does not have to help his teammate. That's the coach's job who's the offensive coordinator who's only in charge of 41 people. There's quarterback coaches, there's assistant coaches, there's, you know, people who are employed to whatever jobs they have. I, This is, John, let's get to rapid fire. You can't even force this into a debate. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm right. There are other people employed on the team to mentor the kid, to show him the ropes. Yes, he's in the quarterback room. If he's smart enough and he's good enough, he's going to learn things right away anyway. I agree with John. This is so in, The only reason this is overblown is because he got the wrong messaging out. So in, in Manny's, just so everybody's clear, in Manny's mind, if he's lucky enough to learn something from Ryan Tannehill for being in the same room as him, that's awesome. But 
If not, doesn't say anything on my name tag that I have to help you out. Best of luck in your, your future endeavors. Watch me go throw three picks against the Colts. And now, now I'm going to be sitting there watching and pretty soon I'm selling popcorn wondering what just happened. Thanks a lot for coming out, Ryan. Way to, way to help out the club. Are we carving Tom Brady for not mentoring Jimmy Garoppolo? Has we... Tom Brady ever said he's not doing it? Yeah, it's a given. That's that's the problem. Is the problem is the messaging, because Tom Brady never did it. Brett Favre never did it. We don't carve Brett Favre for not mentoring Aaron Rodgers. I I would suggest that putting Tom Brady and Brett Favre and Ryan Tannehill in the same conversation is a bit unnecessary, but go ahead. Starting quarterbacks, that's all I'm saying. They're starting quarterbacks. Every man, woman, and child. God, I hope, I'm glad I wasn't next to you on the Titanic. Every man, woman, and child for themselves. If you if you learn something, hey, hey kid, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if when Malik Willis shows up on uh, the first day of, uh, of OTAs, he's just got a notepad and a pen in this locker. Hey, kid, it, it, start taking notes. You might learn something. Listen, Malik Willis is going to get a job because there's no talent in that Tennessee wide receiver room. Who's he going to throw to? Nobody. They're just going to run the ball to Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill's career is going to be over sooner rather than later. But to say that it's his job to mentor somebody, it's not his job. Are you ready? And now it's time for Rapid Fire. We have more questions to get to. Nikola Jokic has won the NBA MVP award for the second straight season. And Zach in London wants to know if Joel Embiid got robbed. I, I think so. And Joel Embiid's the best player in the NBA. So if he's not the MVP, then yeah, sounds like he got robbed to me. He's not the best player in the NBA. He led the league in scoring. Because yeah, they had- basketball, luckily basketball doesn't count for points. <laughs> he had nobody else to play with. He gets the ball every single time. You've watched some games, at least, to know that he touches the ball in every possession. Who does Jokic have the, to, to pass the ball around to? This is the argument you made in the last one, that he plays with nobody. Well, here it is. He's got two th- first player ever in NBA history. 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists in a single season. Not only did he produce, but he made everybody around him better. Embiid didn't do that. Well, I'm glad Jokic did that because it's not his job to make anybody better around him. Thanks for chipping in, pal. Thanks for the extra hard work. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Uh, Big news from Tuesday. Tom Brady says when he retires, he will be an NFL analyst on Fox Sports. His reported deal is worth 10 years and $375 million. Jason and St. Thomas sent us an email to ask if we think Brady will be a good analyst. I just hope if he retires and then goes into the booth that he retires from the booth like three and a half weeks later too. (laughs) (laughs) I think he'll be really good because he's got a good personality and I think he'll get an opportunity to kind of show that off. And I really hope like you get like Tom Brady in the booth. I hope he's really breaking things down and talking really geek-like about football and about playing the quarterback. Like, I like to see, I love what Tony Romo does, and I love how he designed plays uh, before they even happen. Tom Brady's not going to bring that, but I'd really like Tom Brady to really get into the the geek and nerdy uh, 
dirty, gritty kind of details of, of playing quarterback. Yeah, I think they want him to be the quarterback at the time in the booth and go, what would you do in this situation? Or uh, how would you play that? And I think that plays into Brady's confidence level because he's very good. He's got a podcast. He's huge on social media. Uh, and he's got a great sense of humor as well that I think would be in addition to a broadcast. I wouldn't bet against him. And neither is Fox, apparently. $375 million. Patrick Marlowe announced his retirement from the NHL this week. Is Marlowe a Hall of Famer, guys? This is a really good debate. Like mm. this, He's never won a Stanley Cup. Uh, but he has the games played record. He has two Olympic medals. He has over 1,000 points in his career. Uh, he has played 23 seasons. Uh, I think he scored 20 goals or 21 goals 15 times in his career. Like, he's produced. And then he's a generally well-liked guy. And I don't know if that really gets you into the hall because you're a well-liked guy, but all the other accomplishments are pretty impressive. To do it for... 23 years is pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I think being a good guy may not hurt you, but being a bad guy definitely does. Uh, 566 goals. He's got two gold medals. I mean, we're talking about the San Jose Sharks, not the greatest history in, in sports uh, of, any, of any kind, but probably has every record you can think of in San Jose Sharks history. 23rd over to all, all time in goals scored. 50th in points. I know he has a big part, and, and you talk to the, the guys from, from Toronto of the time that he was there as well. He's won a World Cup. Uh, uh, to me, it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, this is a guy that, if this guy's not in the Hall of Fame, what are we trying to really do with our Hall of Fame? He's got more points uh, than uh, players who are already in the Hall. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know if he gets in on the first ballot, but I, I think he gets in. Yeah, I agree. I think he gets in. I think hockey is a pretty inclusive Hall of Fame already, and I think he definitely makes the cut. Don't you know, pump it up. You've got to pump it up. And now it's time for Pump It or Dump It. Our good friend Kiefer has submitted this song. Matt, I know you love this. Oh, God. <laughs> this song is from Machine Gun Kelly. I made up my mind this evening. I'm taking the last. I'm taking the last. This song is called Maybe from Machine Gun Kelly, featuring Bring Me the Horizon. And uh, just so you know, this might be one of his last uh, rock songs. Apparently he's getting back into rap. So Machine Gun Kelly, guys, pump it or dump it. We got a rock song. We don't get many submissions for rock songs. And there hasn't been really any recent good rock songs. No, and the drought, the drought continues. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it, but I don't love it. This is not Machine Gun Kelly's best song. I don't like what's his best song. <laughs> I don't like Machine Gun Kelly. Do you like Machine Gun Kelly? Uh, he had the one hit last year that I didn't mind. It grew on me after a while. I got played at Top Forty Radio quite a bit. 
Um, of course, a top 40 song. Rashad well, no, loves it, his it top was heavy, 40 songs. But, uh, yeah, it grew on me a little bit. This one is not as good as that song is. No, I mean, this is this is garbage. Uh, <laughs> I, and, like, I'm not even sure if Megan Fox likes Machine Gun Kelly as much as Kiefer does. Because we keep getting these submissions. And I don't know if he thinks that at some point in between, my eardrums have burst from Brendan Jones screaming after the Leamington Flyers win in overtime game three. But the song doesn't sound any better still. So, no, we're I'm, Putting a hex or an X right across Machine Gun Kelly. No more submissions from this guy. So maybe he goes back to rap, which I'm sure is really going to shake the world. <laughs> My ex's best friend is the one that was the hit from last year for Machine Gun Kelly. I don't know if you guys remember that song or not. Didn't he do that with somebody else? Yeah, who is in that one with him? What's oh, the song uh, Black Bear. Again? Black Bear. Now, Black Bear's good. Black Bear's got some bangers. <laughs> yes, he does. Machine Guns Kelly's out here just drinking blood. Yeah, they're gross. Can we, eh? can we put a uh, can we put a new rule on the show that there's no more association with anybody who's reportedly drank somebody else's blood? <laughs> just a character thing for me. Uncomfortable. <laughs> so that's a dump. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> No, it's a, it's a... Someone should it's... go see his doctor because this is a big time dump. <laughs> Someone went a little too loco on, on a taco. And that does it for another debate this week. Jeez, I hope we get some better music submissions. Yeah, like, can we talk for a second, John? You're in the you're in the music industry. <laughs> what what is going on with music? Like, why does music suck? Yeah, it's terrible right now. Um, a lot of radio stations right now are having a hard time filling new music, and so they're a lot of them are playing retro stuff. You're hearing a lot of '90s and 2000s right now because there's nothing good coming out. I don't know why. Good, good. <laughs> Play some of that stuff. <laughs> Maybe we should have a rule that. Pump it or dump it just becomes a retro. We're doing old school pump it or dump it. Bring it back, pump it or dump it. (laughs) Did you like this song? Would you pump it or dump it at the pool? Uh, I say dump it. What song are we talking about yet? All the retro songs, Rashad? Oh, sorry. I thought you were still talking about this Machine Gun Kelly songs. I never. Rashad's dumping retro now. (laughs) Yeah. Anything before 1990, dump. <laughs> I say erase music from our memories. Yeah, that's my pick. Since this is episode 123, we should say Pump Coolio 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> one, two, three, four we don't make music like they used to back in the day. <laughs> sure don't. I- I was just thinking it was easy as one, two, three, as simple as do, re, mi, a, b, c, one, two, three. The Jackson you and me, girl. Easy, easy as one, two, three, as We just gave two songs that are better than MJK. <laughs> Well, the OT is coming up on Friday, so that's something else to look, look forward to. In between, it gives you a couple of days to send us an email as well, just bashing us and hating 
any sort of musical note at this point that's getting put out. So uh, <laughs> take some take some time, send us some contact uh, on uh, on that thing, and and get ready for the OT with a very special guest this week. Yeah, we have former OHL tough guy Sean Kruger to join us on the show to talk some hockey. He's also written a book. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. Looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can send us your thoughts on the show and any questions for future debates and pump it or dump it suggestions for future considerations at gmail.com. And I just wanted to quickly mention Coolio has become a chef. I did not know that. I just looked that up. He's got a little show or something, doesn't he? And, uh, so there you go. Fun yeah. fact. Oh, good for him. Good for him. Well, maybe one day Machine Gun Kelly can work at his restaurant and wash the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on social media as well. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram and for future considerations on the Facebook page. The Facebook. Uh, thanks to our sponsors on the show, too. They allow us to bring you this tremendous, tremendous product. London Awnings, quality that shows. And Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and nutrition. I don't know about you, but there's not necessarily a franchise I would want to hitch my wagon to that isn't for future considerations. And you've just experienced it. Share it with your friends. Tell everybody about it. Join us. Give us some feedback. We'd love to talk to you. We're going to talk to you on Friday. But for now, thanks for listening. Have a good time. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.